So there was D- Coach D, Don and he needed an associate director who made like 20 grand. It's an associate director. It's paid, right? It's more than just an unpaid GA position. And he goes, well, you showed up early. You worked your ass off. So here we go. Do you want the spot? And so that was the, one of the first opportunities that showed me that if you do those things every single day, things will work out. You might have to get lucky, right? But showing up early, working your ass off, asking the right question, doing what you're told. Every single day, pouring yourself into it, things will work out, right? You bring energy, you bring juice, and you do what you're told, right? You're not afraid to speak, not afraid to hold kids accountable, telling the truth. You do those things every day, and you're going to get an opportunity from where you're at. It might be where you're at, like it was for me, where you might get away with a sweet coach or, or one of your guys will leave and hire somebody. But if you do those things every single day, you dive into your assignments, you show up early, you work your ass up, no job too big, no job too small. If you do those things truly from heart and soul and you put thought into it and passion in it, you're going to be okay. And so that gave me the ability to continue to learn under Donnell for a little extra time, figure out a way to get paid while doing it. And then, you know, I continued to ask questions. I read as many books as possible. Okay. And, and, and again, no job was too big or too small. And I wasn't afraid to try things. You know, you get on Elite FTS and you read an article, you get an idea, bam, don't be afraid to try it. You get on West Side Barbell, you read Book of Methods, you read this, you read that. Don't be afraid to try things. Right? And put that shit on the line with your kids. Right? Say, hey, we got an opportunity to do something like this. I'm going to try it out on you guys. Okay, if you got some balls, all right, we might be able to do something special. Right? And so that's what I was not afraid to do from the minute I stepped foot in Charleston, South Carolina to where I am right now. And that's paid off really well because I I put that out there during my interview with Coach Bohannon, who's my boss here at Kennesaw, and that's what he wanted. Right now, and I wanted an interviewer for a coach that was a little bit more conservative. That might not have been the best way of going about things. But I was myself, and I put it out there, and I work for a guy who would rather me work him too hard than not work him hard enough. Right? So all of those things – that started in 2009 when I started coaching, 2011 when I was coaching at the Citadel, to now it's all because I've showed up early, I've worked my ass off, and I haven't been afraid to make mistakes, right? Um, and and when, I, when, when, you, when you have that mentality, you're not afraid to make mistakes, you're, you're consistently curious, right? You, you put yourself in a spot where you can be creative. Whether it's your idea or somebody else's, it, it comes across as you're creative because you're trying new stuff. And when you try those new techniques so you try them different in 2018 than you were in 17 than you were in 16 than you were in 15 kids are consistently engaged in what's going on and when you can demand engagement with your team right and, and with intentional focus you can get a lot out of your guys um and i think that all those things when you combine them together have allowed us to create a really positive training environment and culture um that our guys enjoy training in even though it's hard and demanding and we make it that way um, because there's, we're always trying to push the envelope and do some different stuff. Our kids buy into our training methodology. So, here's a here's a hard question and a question that nobody I, w- I would say likes to ask, but I'm going to ask it because I want to hear what you have to say about it. You have that intern or that young coach who comes in and works for you, and he does all those same things that you did as a young coach. It's the same things that I did as a young coach. Okay, but you and I were probably pretty natural at coaching. It's probably where we are, where we are, why we are, where we are today. You, you never probably had issues getting along with athletes or, or, or motivating athletes. So my next question to dive 
deeper into that answer is, you know, when that's not enough, how do you advise a young coach? When when you have a coach who's beats you into the office every day, who does everything meticulously, who who's the hardest worker you've been around, but just doesn't really know quite how to motivate athletes the right way, doesn't really know how to relate to them, just kind of is missing that one little piece. What is your advice there? Well, what are you doing to learn to relate to the student athlete at the place you're at? So this is, this is, this is great. Um, Cause I got a personal story about this. Um, my first eval with, with Donnell at the Citadel, he told me that I needed to learn to relate to Southern black kids more straight up. Okay. Cause I, I'm from, I'm, I'm, I'm white division three, Northeastern through and through. Right. So he's like, you need to dive into learning a little bit about the culture of South Carolina, Southeast, right? And you need to learn to communicate your way in this area. So always true to yourself. Always, always, always. Right? But if I'm going to expect to motivate the team that I'm training in Kennesaw, I can't do it the way I grew up talking and the music I grew up listening to in Northridge, Massachusetts. So if I'm trying to get my kids to relate to me, it's not through Pantera, Metallica, and Guns N' Roses, right? It's through Wheezy and Jeezy and Nudie and all the shit that's coming out nowadays, right? So <laughs> what are you doing to invest in the culture and the environment of which you're a part of? Because, yes, it is the culture that you set, right? you got to set a culture, but it's their team. It's their culture. You don't own shit. It's theirs. So if you can't make it something that they want to be a part of, you're going to lose, brother, every single time. Now, that doesn't mean that I know what it's like to grow up in Atlanta. It doesn't mean you know, I know it's grow up in a bad area of Alabama. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means that I need to commit to learning about that and communicate them on the terms of which they understand. Get them to come to what our common ground is, which is our standard, right, which can't falter. Do it my way because I can't be fake, but I got to do it in their environment because it's their team, right? And they're not going to trust a phony and they're not going to want to be a part of something that they don't want to be a part of. They're only going to be willing yeah. to extend themselves if you make it something that they feel more comfortable to extend themselves in. That's so well said. And it's such a fine line too. you know, I think the one mistake I would say that I see in that circumstance, those circumstances is, like you said, that particular they're not true to themselves. Like you gotta still be who you are because players will see right through that. Right. But you gotta you gotta educate yourself on on that player's circumstances, on that player's culture, on where he comes from, or you're never gonna relate to him. But you have to do it with you. I mean, I think probably the biggest fail I've seen coaches young coaches have is when they come and work work with me and they try to emulate my style and it's not who they are and they fail miserably at it. Yeah, you got to be who you, you got to own your style, whatever that style is. You, you can't just be somebody different because our, our kids are so much smarter than we give them credit for. Um, but I think that's so well said of, you know, you still got to own you. You got to be who you are, but you got to educate yourself on their culture. If you're ever going to relate to somebody from a different culture, whether that be, you know, hell, we got we got kids from France, Germany, freaking Kazakhstan on our team. You name it. Like we got we got we got like a foreign nations over here, you know, yes. um, but so that's for me 
and thank God I married a foreigner, so that's definitely helped me with that. But and culturally, that's big. But also, what's a lot of people that get into this game nowadays, like these younger coaches, they love lifting weights, and that's great. Young interns love lifting weights, and and they love teaching perfect technique, and they love reading all the manuals on speed and reading all this. It's like these kids don't give two shits about like lifting perfectly. They don't care about like you got to train these kids to go play ball. Yes. You got to get them to be adequate lifters. You got to get them to run technically proficiently. All those things are extremely important for every reason we already know. Right, but if you think you're gonna win a kid over because you taught him to clean better, you're wrong, brother. Get out of your mind. You're wrong. Like you gotta tell them you know in order to go play No, in order to go play. I think another another interesting thing, you know, I don't have you ever inter- you, you have you ever actually had like a formal interview or have you just always gotten jobs? No, I had a formal interview here. Okay, so here's what I want you to think about. Think about in that formal interview, how much time did you actually spend talking about programming, like about squatting, benching, cleaning, speed work? I talked about what what I would do, you know, like right. I kind of outlined the principles of what I how I train athletes. But that's it. Everything else was about culture and accountability and my why and, and all those things, because that's that is so much more important. Than the X's and O's. And, you know, man, and I'll say this, you can put this on YouTube, that's fine. There's too many nerds out there, man. There's just too many nerds out there trying to coach kids who are bad motherfuckers trying to become worse motherfuckers. You don't do it in a book. You don't. No. And if you want to deny that, that's fine because you're in a better, you know, we're all in different situations and there's a, the, the, obviously we line somewhere in the middle. But you ain't going to get somebody from A to B from where they are to where they got to be just because they increased their squat by X percent and they could squat a little bit deeper. Shit ain't happening, man. Technical proficiency is a, is a prerequisite in our job. It's not what makes us elite. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And that's, I think that's, that's the point to, to, to young coaches and coaches that are coming up is understand that, you know, like I said, we, we go interview for a job. You're going to spend, five percent of that interview talking about the the what the rest is the how so you better spend some time developing your how and your culture and those kind of things um for sure that's that's great stuff uh just in your eyes when you're evaluating a coach or or i guess even you yourself personally what are the three most important qualities you see in, in a in a transitioning coach um you know i'm gonna give the cop out answer number one and i'm gonna explain it um is there's got to be a sense of energy and enthusiasm, okay? I don't consider myself an energy guy, all right? But if you're not injecting some type of enthusiasm into your training session, then you might as well go work in a PT clinic, right? Especially, I'm sure you train a lot of kids early in the morning. It's 5.45 when we start our training session. Those kids just rolled out of bed. If you're not injecting them with energy, then they're not going to be energized. Very few kids will bring that internally, right? So you have to bring a sense of energy and enthusiasm um, 
into into what we're in, into the training session into what we do um especially in this world where these kids are just they're so overstimulated that they become numb right we need to actually inject highs and lows into their life right yeah, which yeah. is almost contrary to what a lot of people would say but like i want them to be up and down and up and down because that's life and they're so used yeah. to this where they're always doing something but it's all man let's bring some gas in here man let's Let's do something like worth doing, worth being excited about, right? Nothing yeah, is, doing has ever been done without enthusiasm. These kids don't have it. We got to bring it, period. And on the other side, what drives me nuts about this industry is like we've become circus clowns to where it's like, hey, the guys are they've had like they've had a tough couple of days. Let's let's do some let's do some stunt in the weight room to bring to provide them this crazy stimulus. And that's not life. Like to me, that's there's some days that shit just sucks. And you yeah. got to wake up and you got to get through and you got to find, but it's like, you know, oh, we're in the middle of camp. We'll do a disco party with, yeah, uh, with, yeah. And that like, to me, that's, to me, that's teaching kids that every time life gets tough, they'll just be some leprechaun, jump out of a freaking gold basket and give you some like that. It's just, it, it ain't, it ain't real life. It's not good. And, and what I mean by injecting energy into your environment yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah. When you walk your kids, when your kids walk into the building in the morning, do you greet them? Or do they walk in to nothing? We do our best to greet our kids. Put our hands on them. Hit them on the back. Dab them up. Do something. Like engage them. Bam. We're already elevated. Do they walk into a dark building? So we're in a football building, but we're in the back of the building. At 545, we're the only people here. I go and turn every light in the building on. I don't want them walking into a dark building. I don't want them walking into a quiet weight room. The music is on. There's stimulus everywhere as soon as they walk in. That's part of the energy. That's part of it. And the and the music's got to be not the music you were listening to when you were sitting in the weight room up. It's got to be the music that they want to hear when they come in or the music that they that you need them to hear when they come in. Yeah. Um, and so that's part of the energy thing. And if you're not taking those things into account, I think you're doing a disservice to your student athletes. So energy... Yeah with what you're doing personally with the kid and then what you're doing to create an environment to energize these kids. But yes, I agree. It shouldn't be pulling rabbits out of hats. It's just creating an environment that is upbeat because that's yep. what training is. Um, Why do you think you, oh yeah, I don't know. We don't, we don't need to finish that one. You, I, I like that whole answer. I'm now I'm on to the next thing I want to talk about. Okay. I, I don't I mean we don't we don't know each other extremely well, probably more based off of just passings and then just what I've what I've heard about you, but you have a reputation of at least what I consider to be like like you have a reputation of being a developer. Like when I when I talk to people about you or at least what the first thing that comes to my mind when I when I think about you is you develop people and you develop your athletes. Why why do you think that is? Like why why do you think you've got that reputation? Um well it's flattering that I have a reputation that's not negative. That's good. But um, so our, our responsibility is to our student athletes. That's our number one responsibility to our student athletes. Um, you know, having worked at a mid-level, right, when you don't have every resource in the world, that your number one greatest asset is your people, right? And that's your number one greatest asset wherever you are, but we don't have technology, you know. We don't have, um, we don't have five full-time football-only strength coaches. We don't have a logo that everybody understands. It's going to bring a flock of 
really experienced, talented interns to our program. So we're going to get people here and then I need them to perform the best they can possibly perform for our student athletes, right? So I'm going to invest as much as I possibly can into my staff so they are as prepared as possible to go do the job that they need to do for our student athletes, right? So that means we're going to teach them everything. We're going to teach them how we teach the clean, how we teach the squat, how we teach the bench, how we teach the lunge, how we teach the hinge, whatever it is, we're going to teach them all that stuff. We're going to teach them why we do things in the order that we do things. We're going to teach them why you would do it another way. We're going to teach them how we've done it another way. But then we're going to spend a whole bunch of other time talking about connecting to student athletes, leading student athletes, leading each other, being great team members. Because if we don't do that, they're not going to be the best versions of themselves they can be. And ultimately, they're not going to be able to put that on our student athlete. Right. So by investing in our kids, our, our, our staff, they're more prepared to do a great job coaching. But also, the more you invest in your people, the more they feel invested in, the more they'll invest in what's going on. And that's something I kind of found out organically. It wasn't, I mean, it's cloak and daggers. It's it, it's kind of almost like you're, you're tricking them, but you're not. By investing in them, they'll invest in you and they'll invest in the kids. That's gonna give you the best product possible, right? And then I got into coaching, I like to think, for the right reason. My stepdad uh, has coached high school girls basketball for 40 years. He does it for a gas stipend. So I don't coach for rings, and I don't coach for championships. Now, I love winning. I love competing. I love everything that comes with it, right? But I coach because I want to – my mission statement is teach, mentor, and train. I want to teach young people the things that they need to know to be successful in life. I want to mentor them through all the difficulties that come with learning. And mentorship is not always fun, right? A mentor's job is to demand more out of people, right? And then I want to train them. Training is the third part of that because it's my platform. I'm a, I'm a strength coach. I'm going to train them. Um, and so because that's why I do what I do, um, I'm going to make sure that I pour myself and my soul into these kids so they do everything that we ask them to do to the best of their ability. It means they show up on time. They wear the right thing. They treat each other with respect. They, they treat our coaching staff with respect. They communicate appropriately when they have issues going on in the weight room and out of the weight room and on the field and off the field. Um, so I think that the reason I coach kind of lends itself to uh, wanting to be a developer. So that's how I treat my staff, and that's how I treat our kids. Um, and then I'm not smart enough to know advanced shit, so we do simple stuff. So naturally, that's uh, that's kind of a developmental program as it is. And we're an FCS program. Remember this. We started from zero. When I got here, I didn't have a weight room. We didn't have footballs. There was nothing. So if we weren't developmental when I got here, like, what were we? Right. right? So I had to start that way. So luckily, why I do what I do and the way I go about my business kind of flowed well into the job that I took. So walk us through that then. What is that like? You walk into a you walk into a weight room that's not that's non-existent, and you are responsible for creating this program. What's um, what's what was that process like? I'll say it's a million dollar experience. I'd pay a million dollars to not have to do again. Um, <laughs> so it was pretty neat. Uh, 
anybody, any strength coach know, knows pretty well about like what they would have in their dream weight room. That's not that hard. What's hard is learning how to deal with the business office. And, you know, you want these racks, but you know they're not the cheapest racks. So how do you sell it to the business office? And how do you get quotes? And how do you put out bids? And then, oh, shit, I forgot to order clips. How do we get those in by tomorrow? Um, that was the learning experience is how to deal with the, the bureaucracy of an administration. And now what's great is that we are a pretty big school. Um, even though we're mid-major, we're FCS, we, we have some pretty good resources. So I had a good starting budget to build a pretty cool thing. But that wasn't the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge was when our team showed up in, in August of 2014, nobody had ever played college football before. Our head coach was his first time being a head coach. Our ops guy was his first time being an ops guy. Our head athletic trainer was his first time being a head athletic trainer. Our, our strength coach, me, first time being a head strength coach. My GA, first time being a GA. And, and like, we're talking about nobody knew what to do. So we needed to, like, learn as we went along and be as passionate and precise as we could and use our passion to fix our precision and to get better and better as we went along. Um, so, like, we're talking about, like, we're going to – now our kids show up, right? And, we, yeah, there's a progression in teaching the clean and the squat and all stuff. But they're, they're typically lifting around other kids who know what to do. When we got here, man, like they didn't know what a superset was. And so you needed to teach not only the hang shrug, but also the front plank and how to do this and then this and then this and then get back in time for the whistle. And then up, go to the green room. We got up downs because so-and-so wasn't ready. So we're talking just the amount of energy that, that was required to coach, to, to coach these kids and then getting my staff ready. That was just an incredibly demanding, exhausting experience. And it was awesome. So incredibly rewarding. Um, but you don't realize how much kids don't know until you show up to a place where nobody has a fucking clue what to do. You know, they had no clue. But that's great because yeah. you don't go through the growing pains of having to change problems. You get to build and every problem you get is the one that you created that you can fix. I'm not taking over a program where a guy was a bad strength coach or a good strength coach, and I'm trying to win people over. I'm just building this thing. So the building growth issues are one thing as opposed to changing. So it's, it's, it's my issues were my issues just like yours were yours. You know, it's, um, it's just different. But it was an incredibly rewarding experience. We had a special group of kids, man. Now, there was a huge attrition rate because we pushed our kids so hard. But, I mean, we took a, a group of kids who had minimal of offers, a lot of them with no other offers, and we took them mandatory red shirt where we beat the crap out of them like it was World War One for an entire fall. Full pads every single day to the ground, good on good, every day, right? We took them through a spring that was more the same. We took them through a camp that was the same. We found a way to win some games, six and five. Did it to them again, found a way to win eight. And 12 and 11, you know, it was, it was pretty neat experience that we got to got to see the benefit of starting something from nothing and, and watching it work. So I, I, I've learned the same thing here in the last seven months that that's been very surprising. I just, I don't think you, you can ever understand it till you have to do it. Teach a staff and teach an entire team, all your philosophies and the way you want to teach things and your movements. And I think that's highly underrated. So I'll agree with, with you like that. But my 
my other question is, is like, you know, I think the, the immediate thing I did after that is I realized like, man, I already have like a two, three, four year plan as to where I see this thing going, because I will say it took much longer than I thought. Um, and I had to slow things down significantly more than even what I anticipated I, I would. What? So you're now you're going into what, season five? Yes. So how is the pro from now until year five? How has the program changed from when you walked in and, and everybody's probably on the same card? You're teaching the baseline. You got you got to teach everybody a now you're year five. What's the program look like? Well, this is this is interesting. So. Um, number one, I'm not brilliant, so I don't have a quadrennial plan with all these things. I've got different programs that other people that, you know, advanced, intermediate, beginner that we've done it from time to time. But, um, you know, as we went, you know, as we grew this thing, we had such this nucleus of a class that we kind of all grew together. You know, our yeah. season one, yeah. season two, season three, season four, and then they were gone. Holy shit. Holy shit. They're gone. Right? So we just started over again, brother. <laughs> like, that's where we were less than a year ago. We had, you know, last season we played with our OGs, the guys who came and started this thing. And they we lost in the quarterfinals to South Dakota State. And the next day they were gone. And then in January we had the rest of the team. And um, and so we really just we started all over again. We started all over because it was a huge, it was like our OG class had a ton of kids in it. And our next class had like nobody in it. Just by the way, recruiting goes when you're trying to build a, a program. And then our third year, half that class is gone, whether they've transferred or quit. So we were left with youth again, just left with youth. So the things that have changed the most is that we have a culture and it's understood what eat is effort. You finish through the line attitude, your coach will toughness, you have body language. Right. And so everybody has gone through learning what eat is right. Everybody understands what our, our sets and reps look like, how to read our card. And now it's a matter of evaluating what our youth has, what our team has, and what they need. And we'll build it from here. Um, but you know, last year, this is, I, I'll tell this. I thought we were going to go in last year to having like the advanced program like having the advanced, the intermediate, and the beginner, and like infantry armor and airborne, that's what I call it. Like just like we were planning on doing because, you know, yeah, we're starting over, but we'd still have some, we have, we have, we're way better than we were when we started this thing. We have some different age groups. One weekend, bam, threw it all away and did everything, all one program. Because the culture, they understood it, but they didn't know how to carry it. They were led by the example of the kids who had built it. Now, that, that class that had built it, they weren't great leaders. They weren't, they, by example, they did a great job. But they didn't do a great job passing the torch. They didn't teach well, right? So I thought that we were going to just start rolling. Bam, hell no. One weekend, boom, gone. Back to it all. We're going to start one big program. We get modified for injured and all that stuff. But one program, right. simple stuff. And we, we just trained. We didn't even test. Like, no, we're just going to train. We're going to learn where, how to train. Yeah, I mean that a balance there is so fine to me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm at the point where it's like you know you 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 see you know when you see some strength coaches that are are so scientific and so player load driven and so stimulus based, and I think that stuff is super important. And then on the other end of it, you have the coaches that know nothing about any of that, and they just they're just 
culture, 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 culture. And that's all they know. That's all they do. And it's like, at what point can we just find some balance and, and, yeah, so and, and some somewhere? Yeah. yeah. The answer is some of them. You can't be ignorant to managing your players' stresses. You can't be ignorant to it. You know, um, you've got to develop good movers as best you can, but they don't have to all get 21s on the FMS. Right. You've got to have a, a, a good culture with energy and enthusiasm and accountability, but you don't need to run a circus or a prison or a boot camp. The answer is somewhere in the middle. You can be something in the middle. You know, gray exists for a reason. Um, and, and just because like, look, you don't need to be one thing. You don't need to be one thing. How you look in winter 2019 doesn't need to be the same. You looked in winter 2017. Yeah, your standards are the same. Show up on time, wear the right thing, finish through the line, be coachable, stand up when you're tired. All that stuff, that stuff doesn't change. But what you're doing doesn't have to be the same. Grow and evolve and, 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 and be okay with leaving stuff in the, in the past. Be okay with bringing stuff back that you had abandoned, you know, because your teams are going to be different. Your needs are going to be different. And, and, and also... I, I, if you were to ask me if I'm a culture or scheme guy, I'm more culture than scheme just because I'm not smart enough to have a great scheme, right? But I am smart enough to identify what our weaknesses are, right? And to, and to use other people's resources to, to, to fix our, our weaknesses. Learn other people's schemes to fix our issues, right? And then reevaluate what that is at the end of the season. 2016, we couldn't score from the two three different times against Liberty, right? We got beat. Right. So, you know what? That winter we did West Side Barbell, baby. Let's get strong because obviously we have a gap in our strength. Right. Well, that wasn't an issue the next year. And then we had a lot of people returning. So now let's kind of get ourselves back to some more rate of force development and not worry so much about the load on the bar. And you know what? This past year, we just graduated all our entire offensive line. Right. And our two interior defensive tackles. So let's try to get the bar on our back and get strong again. Because it's not always going to be the same. Yeah, I think that's one thing we we've talked about here a lot too is specialization and how all these you know football strength coach gurus want to do all this specialization with their training and where my where my where my philosophy is is it's specialization towards deficiency. That's where we we don't we don't need to worry about trying to make these football specific movements. We need to try to make some efficient specific movements that are specific to the, either our athletes or our team deficiencies. I agree a hundred percent. And like, you got to fix the problems on your team and football. It can be a little bit easier to see cause you're at practice every day and you're in staff meetings, you hear from the coaches and uh, positions are so easy to see if you're too small on the line or too slow at running back. Um, but you can identify teams strengths and weaknesses and that's what your job is to fix your job. Like, you're not a strength and conditioning coach. You're a readiness coach. It's one thing that I'll take. Like, and there's all those people that get really cute with that shit. But like, I think our job is that is to get our teams ready. Like what is, what, what does being ready mean? Right. What is, and, and ready to win, ready for camp and then ready to win. You know, what is ready? Look for Buffalo. What is ready? Look for Kennesaw. It's not the same. It's not the same. Right? And, and if you think it is, you're, you're, you're just fooling yourself and you're living in a book. Get out of it, man. Love it. I, wrote, I wrote that one down. Okay, well, I planned on asking you 15 minutes of questions, and I asked 33, so let me shut up and let my staff ask you some questions here. Okay. 
What do you got? What do you guys got? Alright, so I know you mentioned. Andy, why don't you come you... up come up here and ask us so that he can hear you? I know you uh, mentioned like how you get kids to buy in and things like that. Uh, but how do you handle the one or two kids that might not be able to buy in or just won't be receptive to what you have to say? Yeah. So there's a couple things, um, and there's no real answer to this. I'm gonna do my best. Number one, I think you're lost without a good head coach. So if you have no, if you don't have a head coach that supports you, you're screwed. You know, you can do a damn good job, but you can't do a great job. Um, without a good head coach. So that's a cop-out answer, but that's a part of it, right? Um, what type of relationships do you build with these kids? And are you are you speaking to them in the way that they need to be spoken to? Like, some kids just can't be motherfucked. They just won't take it, right? And if you're trying to motherfuck the guy who can't take it, and, you're, and you continuously try this, you're making a mistake. It needs to be a conversation. It needs to be guidance. You need to manipulate your approach to correcting the issue but never stop correcting the issue ever 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 never stop correcting the issue the standard that you walk past is the standard that you set right and then when you get into a leadership role and you've got a staff working with you what are you doing to fix this problem all right you have to you have to arrange your room appropriately so you you do one of these things you either put your alphas with your betas you say okay i'm gonna take my best trainee and i'm gonna stick my piece of shit with them and I'm going to make him come up. But you got to be wary. Maybe that guy's going to pull your alpha down. Because what if the guy who's, who's a really crappy lifter who don't buy in is the best player on your football team? I mean, like It's going to be hard to influence that guy. Right? So maybe you put him on a rack of betas. And you put him over with the kickers. Like you can lift with the kickers. Well, maybe that just pushes him lower down. Or, or it motivates him. You, gotta, you, you might want to try all these things. And then... Well, I think is it works really well, but you, you tow a tight rope here is what are you as the leader of the room doing to fix the problem? So if you assign racks, who's coaching that kid's racks? Like, are you doing it? Because I know that for there was a good chunk of time that I was pulling whatever I hear I have left out of my head because I spent time on the worst racks in a row to make sure they were doing what the standard was, period. Right. And I was doing old school psychology. They did a good job. Tap my pat him on the head. Nice job. Nice job. I'll pick your weights up for you. Right. Let me help you. <laughs> right. Bullshit like that. Um, but you need to manipulate your environment to maximize your kids that don't buy in. And you need to communicate that with your with the head coach and the position coaches at all times. And sometimes it, they, they can't fix it. Right. I've also had kids that like. They're, they're not great trainees and they're injured. All right, well, let's just get these kids trained in their own group. And they're going to do super simple stuff, right? Thanks, Brent. Yep. Um, they're going to do super simple stuff really, really well with me. Right? Call it a squad alternate group. They're not going to put a bar on their back. They're going to do Bulgarians. They're going to do tempos to maximize lighter weights, right? We got, we got a linebacker, and you know what he is? He is a fucking baller. The kid can play some football. All right. He hates lifting weights. He's got banged up knees. He's had repaired twice, high school and then his first school that he went to. He's had a negative relationship with his old strength coach. Doesn't like to train, never did. All right. Well, I'm just going to get that kid trained doing simple stuff. I'm going to demand a lot out of him, but he's going to do simple stuff that doesn't hurt him. 
I'm going to make sure he does it on the whistle, on time, the right way. And on the field, he has no excuses to get out of it. He's going to make his times. He's going to finish to the line. He's going to have great body language. Those are non-negotiables, right? But his weight room experience is positive for him. That's going to help get that kid to buy into you because you, he's going to feel like you're taking care of him. And you're not lowering your standards. You're just doing some different stuff, right? you got to think, is it better for him to do tempo goblet squats or to skip sets? Right? So that's how I work on it. And then you better be creating an environment that he wants to be a part of. Yeah. If you're playing the wrong music and you're not letting them dance, they're not going to enjoy the training environment. Is that good? I agree. Yep. Yeah. So, Coach, uh, so yeah, Coach Steve and I the other day were talking about some leadership stuff and, and kind of talking about a, a mistake that coaches make a lot of, of putting players into roles, uh, like leadership roles who really don't have those characteristics. Uh, so maybe think, you know, what was what's a mistake you made for way too long in your career? And by the time you realize it, you're like, holy shit, that needs to change tomorrow. That, uh, well, from a, we talking about leadership? No, anything that you've done in your career that you thought oh. that one day you woke up and Oh, mistakes. Yeah, mistakes. That's good. Right. Um, I make them every day. You know, little ones, big ones. Um, let's just let's start with, with, with simple. Communicate. All right. Uh, over communicate. Do everything you can to over communicate with your players, your staff, and more importantly, your head coach. Right. Everybody needs to know everything all the time. Right. Kid gets hurt in your weight room, tweaks a, tweaks a hamstring, tweaks a pec, uh, drops a plate on his toe. Uh, runs into a bar and gets a concussion. Um, these things have happened, right? That last one's happened? Yeah, oh, yeah, all of it. We had a kid, listen, <laughs> we had a kid trying to catch a bar when he was spotting a squat. He was spotting. He tried to catch it, and he got his thumb crushed between the bar and the crash bar. That could have popped that sucker off. It, luckily, it didn't. But whenever that stuff happens, I go and I tell Coach Bohannon, I want him to hear it from me, right? Yep. We have making mistakes. I said, Coach Bohan, I'm not expecting you to do anything about this, but I want to let you know these people were late today. These people were in the room having this issue. We're having that. Communicate. Communicate with the trainers. Communicate with your staff. Over plan. All these things are really, really important. Um, and I think I've always done a good job of this, but I've made mistakes about this as well. Just You think you do a good job prepping and planning and communicating, and then all of a sudden you see some stuff going on in the back corner on racks 13, 14, and 15 that you don't like, and you realize that he was confronted this is this intern was confronted with a situation I didn't prepare him for, and I deputized my my kids to make decisions. He's making the wrong decision because I didn't tell him how to make the right one, right? So that's a big thing. Um, you know, you know, making mistakes. You know, like flipping out on kids before you know what's going on. Once you know what's going on, flip out as much as you want. You know, but like, make sure you know what's going on. Like one time, kid, I couldn't. He was late to the lift. Late to the lift. He walks in, and I just start ripping his ass. Well, his grandmother died. You know, and he just found out twenty minutes before the lift. You know, why don't we? So now, whenever a kid comes in late, or if a kid, I wake a kid up. I go, hey, is everything okay? Is are you okay? Is your family okay? Yeah. Well, then where the fuck are you? And then I start to let him let him have a little bit of that noise that he needs to hear. Um, 
but make sure you have that, you know, conversations with kids and understand what's going on before you just fly, fly off the handle. Cause a lot is going on in these kids' lives that you don't know about. Right. And that doesn't give them the right to do things wrong, not be where they're supposed to be and not communicate. But, it, but it goes a long way to, to, to build a relationship, to have the conversation about it. Right. Um, I, I made the mistake of thinking that, that people will do a good job without being monitored. Right. Uh, there's a great book called steal my soldiers hearts written by, um, uh, Colonel, uh, David Hackworth. Uh, and he, he was a commander in Korea and in Vietnam and, you know, he was in really bad situations and, and so much came down to leadership. And a lot of it was, Hey, the leader tells the people what they need to know, how to do things. And then they expected them to get done. They, they don't get done without supervision, constant leadership, constant management. Yeah. You don't want to micromanage your kids, but you do want to demand things get done, right? Don't just assume that things are going to get put away the right way. Don't just assume that kids are going to do sets of five when there's when they're supposed to do. Like you need to make like, yeah, you want to assume that your kids want to be there. Assume positive intent. That's great, but make sure they're doing it because kids are inherently lazy. Not everyone loves to train as much as you and I, right? They don't understand the importance all the time, and even if they do understand the importance, they don't care, right? Because they're tired. You got to make sure that they're doing the right thing all of the time. And that's the kids on the floor and your staff, period. Right. And if you're not doing that, you're not leading. You're not leading. Um, is that, that those are some big ones. You know, they're kind of vague, but they're, they're big things. Does that, that help? Yeah, no, that was good, Coach. Thanks. Also, I don't really, I really come back in from offseason in shape because they don't. <laughs> yeah, I've. I've... I've learned all those things. Don't like, don't kill them because you because you, you said we're going to do twenty five hundred yards on day one. Like, nope, nope. If they got to stop, they got to stop. Do it something else. Do twelve hundred and then do battle ropes and med balls. You know, do something else. I've decided that I'm 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 so not even going to get close to when I when I see a freshman come in and we got conditioning. As soon as I see a kid really start struggling, I'm just like, just start walking last year on the field. You're done. You didn't come in here in good enough shape to deserve to run this conditioning. Yeah. Shame so them. You're done for the day. Shame them a little bit. But hey, no problem putting, putting some accountability on the kids now. Like, make these kids understand that what we're doing is real. It's important, and their responsibility is to do a great job. Right? So make them feel like crap when they ain't doing a good job. Because they need to. Because they're not. Coach, no, got I have. That's got to be the last thing. we got to wrap this up in the next, like, seven minutes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'll be quicker. Um, kind of just looking at big picture of developing a staff and, and developing assistants and stuff like that. Just curious on your thoughts on what are some of the characteristics that you look for in people that you hire, and then maybe to build off that, too, what are the characteristics that you want to see assistants demonstrate before they go move on to maybe that next head strength coach job uh, for, for, for something like that? All right. Um, so number one, I don't want to mute. I don't want that. That, that obviously on the floor. If you if you don't speak and lead and demand and coach, that, that speaks for itself. But like, I'm very inclusive in my programming and feedback and like a you know a after action reports. Like I want to know what you're seeing. I want to know what's going on, and I want you to compare it and talk about things that you've seen in your in your past. Like we had a great intern this summer, Chris Wellborn. 
He's a full-time strength coach at Cornell. He came down to volunteer in the summer because they didn't have a big summer load. And uh, I wanted to know everything he was seeing in comparison to what Cornell does. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to base all of our success based on what Cornell does. But that guy's got an experience. He has an understanding of what things might should look like. And I want to know what he's seeing. So when I ask, what are we seeing out there? I want to hear words. Hey, I'm seeing this kid do this. I'm seeing, and, and sometimes it's wrong. And I can be like, well, the reason why you're seeing this is because of that. Right. But I get, but please keep giving me feedback. Please keep giving me feedback. If we don't have open dialogue, then you're not of value to me. You're not of value to me. I want feedback. I want your opinion. I want your ideas. That is critical in, in, in a staff. Now, also, you want to feel that out where you go someplace new because there might be a boss that doesn't want to hear that. So you kind of want to feel it out the first week or two. Um, but, like, I want to hear feedback. And if you're not contributing to that, then, then I don't think that you, then I don't feel like you're bought in and I don't trust you. Like, if you're bought in, you're going to give feedback because you want things to get better. You're not afraid to say stuff or whatever. Don't, you know, five dysfunction of the team, avoidance of accountability. If you don't say anything, then it's just my idea, right? Like, if you, if you don't say what you think, then then when things go wrong, then it was just Coach K. It was his program. I was just doing what I was told. Like, that's not the team I want. And I'm not trying to put it on you. I'll still own it, but I want to make this thing better. My, my top assistant has been – he played at Purdue. He coached at University of Indianapolis, which was a great D2 program. He coached at LSU, and now he's here. I want to know about all these programs he's coming from. I want to, I want to know if my standard's high enough. I want to know what he's seeing. And if you're not willing to say that, then A, you're a coward, right? And B, you're of no use to me, right? Go clean, right? Yeah. Um, things that uh, that I need to see before I feel confident of, of, of to recommend you for another job. You need to, obviously, what I was talking about, you need to contribute, which shows you have vision, shows you can make a formulated opinion about something, which means you've got courage, and that's important. Um, you have standards, and that's important. Um, and then I, whatever responsibilities you have, have you taken them and made them better? And have you taken them off my plate completely, where I don't have to worry about getting your job done? If your job is to get body weights, am I worried about you getting body weights? If I am, then I'm not really confident. Like, do you show up on time? Uh, you know, you set them up correctly. Do you get your warm-up sets? To, like, all those things. If you can't do the simple things really well where I don't have to if, – if I'm worrying about you doing the little things, I'm not recommending you for a job, which sucks because if I employ you, I'm not going to get you another job, which means I have to continue to employ you, which means my responsibility to develop you. Um, that's one of those double-edged things. Like, I don't want to recommend you. I don't want to ruin my reputation, but I want you gone. You know, it's kind of difficult to balance that. Does that help? Does that help to answer your question, Coach? Absolutely. Yeah, that's really good. No, Coach, I know, like I said, this actually went about 18 minutes longer than I thought I would, so that's that's right. good for you. I guess that means you answer great questions. Um, yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate you coming. Any, any last words or anything, Coach? Well, I appreciate being here, man. I appreciate what you've done and what you share with everybody and, and what you're putting out there to better the field. And, and I appreciate it. You keep going, man, and keep kicking ass. Appreciate you having me on. All right, Coach. Thank you so much.